welcome to Cumberland Lodge. My name is Jan Bock and I'm the Programme Director and we're here on day one of the Cumberland Lodge Conference on Digital Inclusion Bridging Divides on the 14th of November. We are fresh from an enlightening conversation about e-government serving citizens online and I'm joined by our two guest speakers from that session. Famida Rahman from Webroots Democracy and Rebecca Sentence from the Pirate Party UK. Uh, welcome both of you. Could I start by asking you to briefly introduce yourselves and your roles in a sentence or two? Famida. So I'm from Webroots Democracy, which is a think tank which looks at the intersection between technology and democracy. So we campaign for better digital inclusion in democracy, so looking at things like digital democracy, but also we've written reports on online abuse, online harms and various other things. And Rebecca? Uh, so I am the press lead and London branch leader of the Pirate Party UK. Um, the Pirate Party UK is a political party that advocates for digital and civil liberties, uh, freedom of expression, data privacy and similar issues. Um, and in my role I am responsible for running, running the London branch of our party and liaising with members. And I'm also responsible for managing some of our social media and helping to put out press releases. Thank you both. I thought we just had a really energetic discussion on e-government and how digital technology can be used to reshape political activity. Um, what do you think, Rebecca, were the kind of key takeaways from this discussion about e-government from your perspective? I think the biggest thing that I took away was just how complex this issue is. And I realise that might sound obvious, but it really became apparent when we were getting into the nuances of practicalities of internet voting and how that may uh, include or exclude people the idea that it shouldn't be the only option but one of a number of options and how we can sort of use that to make democracy accessible to people and it's obvious that there's a lot of enthusiasm around this idea but also it's a hugely complex issue to be grappling with and there's certainly no easy solution. Famida, what were the key takeaways for you from our discussion? Yes, I think it was a particularly interesting discussion. I think as WebRoots, as people who have run a campaign for online voting, a lot of the sort of issues that get raised on security um, are a lot of the issues that get raised normally are about security. But I think this sort of focus on inclusion was particularly interesting today, the fact that a lot of people were quite open to the idea but also like a lot of concerns about how sort of ma making government digital by default have like the implications of that and I think there are a lot of complications and sort of ways that that can play out so really thinking about that and grappling with the complexities of the issue rather than just advocating for it is a way forward from this. The theme of our conference is digital inclusion bridging divide so we're exploring both challenges and opportunities resulting from digital technology use. What do you think from the perspective of your organisations is digital inclusion so important in today's world and particularly in Britain? Rebecca. So from my perspective, uh, as, yes, as a member of the Pirate Party, I think that digital inclusion is important because uh, it really allows people to engage with government um, as long as it's implemented in a way that's transparent and it's accessible to everyone, it has the ability to um, make people more engaged with government and sort of open up those processes to people. So I suppose I'm talking from a sort of idealised 
perspective of digital inclusion and digital government, but I think uh, the possibilities are that it could really enfranchise people from all walks of life and really increase participation in democracy, which in, in many cases has, has dropped off in, even in our modern internet age. And we particularly see a lot of young people, I think. This is something that came out of the discussion that ensued from our talks. We see a lot of young people who are really campaigning on issues that they're passionate about, but they don't feel like the current political system really represents their views or that they have a chance of seeing those views realised. So I think this is something that digital government and digital inclusion could respond to and address. And what do you think, Familia? I think digital inclusion is a sort of fundamental issue that should be at the forefront of every government's agenda because ultimately we are as a society moving forward and technology is moving on and it's sort of already been raised that we started in a position like 30, 40 years ago where people were talking about the advent of the internet and advent of electricity and those things have become so normalised now you can't imagine a world or a life without it and I think that's what's going to happen in the future with digital and democracy with with sort of digital technologies so I think and to sort of a ensure that like all members of our society are in from all angles are sort of kept involved and are able to sort of keep up but also keep at speed with how fast society is going because technology is an enabling factor it can enable you to do so many more things than you could previously do you can keep in touch with endless amounts of people your networks are hugely hugely widened and i think actually like not having access to the digital world because you don't have the skills because you haven't been enabled means that this whole world of possibilities and opportunities is closed off to you. Estonia is often held up as an example of a country and a government that provides a lot of services online, over 90%. If this country, if the UK wants to move more towards Estonia, to the, the Estonian model, what are the main challenges or what are the kind of big obstacles that the UK government would have to overcome in order to move towards the Estonian model. Um, Rebecca? Gosh, I think there, there are honestly quite a few different challenges, and so the trouble is in, in trying to isolate which are the biggest ones, because I think it is a question of putting this at the top of uh, political parties' agendas. Uh, and this is something that um, we touched on in the discussion. Like I said before, it's an incredibly complex issue and people rightly raised the point that it might not be the most pressing thing to address in our current situation before we've addressed more fundamental political situations. Um, so I, I suppose one of the issues would be in, um, in making it a priority for uh, political parties who are used to focusing on the short term when really it's a long-term goal and a long-term benefit. Um, and I, I think it is interesting that although Estonia has this system that uh, evidently works extremely well, we've seen so few other countries try to move towards it because they are, they're clearly not seeing it as a priority. So I think persuading uh, trying to move the conversation around to prioritising this, but also, I think, also getting the funding in place and laying the digital infrastructure down so that it is viable for people to participate in e-government if they want to, and they should always have the choice. But in order for them to have that choice, the infrastructure needs to exist. So I think that is the groundwork that needs to be laid first before such a system could be enabled across the UK. 
Will there be your perspective as well, Farida, from Webroot's democracy? Um, yeah, so I think actually the biggest the biggest barrier that we face is actually the will to do it and the resistance that we get from people who are sort of stopping their tracks at the first issue, so the first issue of security and how can this be managed, I think we need to like we need to work really hard to allay the fears that people have about digitizing democracy, about digitizing services. So I think like it is true that we bank online, we sort of manage so much of our lives online, but yet we're sort of not willing to put democracy online. I think we haven't experimented with the technology yet to be able to say that it doesn't work or it can't work for us. I think the technologies are out there. There are so many people working on sort of building the technologies that are unable to work in elections and in terms of like dealing with those security issues and Webroots have a report coming out in January which sort of look at the tech looks takes a deep look at those technological challenges challenges as well sort of working with academics across the spectrum to sort of come up with a system or sort of the principles for a system that could work in an election I think we need to start moving the conversation forward from whether we should have it to what are the technologies that we can use and I don't think we're there yet and I think also this issue of digital inclusion we actually haven't done enough to enable people and I think that's where that fear comes from the fact that we're not doing enough or the government isn't doing enough to raise people's digital literacy means that those fears are there because that that process or this digital world hasn't been demystified and so these issues come up where they don't necessarily need to if people understood, had an even basic understanding of what they were talking about and what they're dealing with. You're making a really interesting point for me because a lot of the conversation around technology and politics today is focusing on the negative implications of manipulation, on fraud, on data theft and so on. Is there still a realistic chance to use technological progress to create a more inclusive dialogue, a more inclusive form of politics? in the UK, or is that something that has become so remote from the political priorities, as you said for media, that it's just not something that is realistic to achieve over the next year, years or so? Yeah, so the key idea that I'd sort of put forward is that digital democracy has the potential to enfranchise groups of people that have previously not been enfranchised or that previously haven't been able to vote independently and securely. So I talked a lot about this issue of people who are disabled or have vision impairments not being able to vote independently because the tech, like the provisions that are needed for them to do so don't exist. In order, to be, in order to be able to vote, they need to vote by proxy, they need to send someone, especially if they're sort of have a homebound disability then to send someone to the post office or to the po to the polling station to vote on their behalf and that's not free and independent and I think we have enshrined in the UK Human Rights Act that the ability to vote independently and secretly, secretly are basic human rights but we haven't even enacted them yet but actually if we were to use those digital technologies we would enable those people to be able to vote independently and securely. Um, and so it's basically a human rights argument that we move forward with it and we do it. What is your take, Rebecca? How can technological progress be used to create a style of politics, um, a rhetoric around politics that is more inclusive and less polarising and less alienating than what we see today? 
Well, so, so to your previous point about how negative the conversation around technology and, and digital issues has become, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the reasons that the Pirate Party sort of exists and one of the reasons we stand in politics is to provide a counter-narrative to that. So I think it is extremely important to try and shift the conversation around technology because so many of the things that come out of the intersection of technology and government are about regulation, about restrictions, about bans, um, about the um, perils of the internet and the uh, dangers of file sharing and uh, the ways that governments want to restrict people's access to the internet. Though there are definitely issues um, with the internet today and things that we should be wary of, it really does dominate the narrative. So I think we need to have that more positive narrative around what technology can do and absolutely this narrative can exist. I mean, what I mean by that is absolutely technology can is positive and can be a positive um, way for people to participate in democracy, which I think is, is uh, something that Famida has uh, illustrated very well. It's, it can enfranchise people. And so I think we need to bring that into the conversation more because to be honest, I hadn't thought about that angle until Fumida gave her presentation and I hadn't considered the way that online voting can literally make uh, independent voting accessible to people for whom it had never been a possibility before. So these are things that don't get talked about enough and I think this is the conversation that we should be having around technology and e-government instead of the narrative we currently have which is a lot more negative and fraught with um, misinformation and fear-mongering instead of opening up the conversation to allow for all of the positive possibilities as well. Thank you so much for me then Rebecca for taking time out of the conference to take part in today's podcast. You can find out more about our digital inclusion program at cumberlandlodge.ac.uk. Have a look at the read, watch, listen section for our conference briefing, blogs, session recordings and more. Tweets from the conference can be found at hashtag CLDigitalInclusion. We are exploring digital inclusion as part of our 2019-2020 inclusion and opportunity series of multi-sector conferences, panel debates and interdisciplinary retreats. We'll be launching a Cumberland Lodge report on digital inclusion, bridging divides in spring 2020, so watch out for details on that coming soon. Thank you for listening, and goodbye from Cumberland Lodge. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.